that's when he put me under the umbrella of one of his uh, women uh, assistants. And that's when they called my parents to let them know that I was in good care with them. And my, my parents came to pick me up at St. Jude uh, that night at the Freedom Rally. And I cried all the way, all the way back to Selma because I wanted to stay the entire time. And because I cried and, and, and my, my, both my parents saw how hurt I was, my dad got up early the next morning to bring me back to Montgomery to join on the march from St. Jude to the Capitol. I'll never forget that day. Kiddos, it's another fantastic week. Your favorite political podcast, Alabama Politic Politics This Week. Man, that's uh, got, <laughs> got ahead of myself. I'm so excited here. Uh, it's brought to you by the, our fine friends over at Wind Creek Entertainment. Uh, we appreciate them and uh, any other uh, folks that are uh, that are joining in as sponsors. We got uh, got a new segment starting out this week with uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, and uh, they're sponsoring uh, a really nice segment. Uh, it's really mm -hmm. kind of a counter to the right wing nut. Uh, stuff that we, you know, that we've, we've done for a while. And then we're going to do a, a social justice warrior of the month uh, each month. It. And yeah, we're going to talk to uh, somebody uh, this week is, is going to be uh, Cheyenne Webb Kreisberg, who was uh, the, the youngest marcher uh, to march with Dr. King uh, back. Mm. Uh, what was it? What, what was it called? The children's, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, he had had this whole thing with, with the children marching with him uh, yeah, in, in Birmingham. That was in Birmingham, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the children's. Yeah. I think it was called the Children's March. I think. Right. And but, well, yeah, that was the one in Birmingham. Yeah. yeah, she was. She was the youngest at the time to to participate okay. with that, and has been a, a lifelong civil rights activist, of course. Uh, and mm -hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna talk to her. Uh, a, a note here: uh, the the music that you heard on the intro is from uh, Selma the Musical. You'll, we're gonna play that uh, this week uh, all through the show. As as uh, we're gonna give as we've told you, we're giving away the tickets. Uh, I've had a couple of people email me about the tickets. Uh, cool. Had a, had a couple. Of People text me about the tickets. That's fine. If you know me, mm -hmm. you can you can send that you can send that stuff anywhere you'd like. Um, so we're we're but you know if if you don't apwproducer at gmail.com get in and you can get the tickets to the show. It's at the Impact uh, coming up uh, in a couple of Saturdays. I believe it's the twenty fourth uh, is is or the twenty third or the twenty fourth uh, is the is the day of the of the show. And so we can. Um, uh, we can give you tickets to that. You'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it is a fantastic production, from what I hear. And uh, so, you know, and I'm, you know, well, we'll see about making it down there for that thing. Uh, mm. Never can tell. I might show okay. up. Okay. Might okay. show up. Maybe I might have a part. You know. Wait a yeah. minute. Let's listen. I can play. You the make angry an acting sheriff. debut. I can, I can play the angry deputy. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of singing parts for me, but uh, it's uh -huh. okay. I don't have that kind of voice. Uh, before we do get started, though, we need to tell you that uh, uh, our, our folks over at uh, Wind Creek Entertainment uh, would love to have you if you would like to uh, spend a spend a nice weekend away. Uh, you know, listen, today is Valentine's Day. We, we record on Valentine's Day because I like to be with, you know, with my Valentine, David, when uh, when this day rolls around. And, um, oh, Josh. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just uh, moved me with that. <laughs> thank you. Um, and, you know, I do special things like this so he doesn't leave. Um, and it's uh, honestly it'd be a good time for, you know, let's say you forgot. All right. You got yourself into a little bit of trouble. Okay. Uh, you got yourself into a little trouble. How about a nice trip to the spa for hey. a significant other, you know, or I say you're the lady who forgot, you know, I know it doesn't happen oh. often because y'all don't forget mm-hmm. things. Believe me, you remember it all. Uh, but let's say you did and you, a trip to the casino down, you know, at Atmore, Wetumpka, Montgomery, go to the restaurants, hang out. You know, you could do a little shopping at the casino. It's, hey, listen, come on now. You can't beat it. Uh, they are world class. And I do mean that uh, literally. They are mm-hmm. world class. They, they have world class hotels and spas and amenities at these uh, at their establishments at, at all three locations. Uh, give them a, check them out. Uh, check out some of their other properties around if you're planning on doing some traveling, especially to some some island countries. Uh, you, you might uh, find a nice place or if you're headed up to Pennsylvania for some reason. You know, they got a nice big place up there as well. Uh, just look them up online, Wind Creek Entertainment, and uh, you'll you can book a stay and, and see some of the great things that they have to offer you, and you'll you'll enjoy that. I promise you. I've stayed. It's nice. All, All right. right. Um. So, um, what's the deal with these people loving Putin? All of us. <laughs> I mean, I knew the uh, the orange guy, you know, he uh, mm-hmm. he needed the money. So I get that. And he'd sell mm-hmm. out, you know, his mother for, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So mm-hmm. selling out the country to, you know, to win an election. No big deal. But so, you know, so we had we've had Putin. Uh, we've had Trump uh, yeah. talk openly. You know, this is this is the thing that drives me insane. OK. All right, all of this talk, and and a lot of it are, are is from my friends in the in the mainstream media, quote unquote. You know, mm-hmm. the the New York Times, the CNNs, even the MSNBCs to a certain extent, building up on this this narrative of Joe Biden's you know his cognitive decline. You know, he's mm-hmm. eighty years old. He's he's got this cognitive decline. First of all, all right. Joe Biden may have lost a step as many 80 years old, 80 year old people have. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that happens. All right. It happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. And clearly Joe Biden at 80 is not the same as Joe Biden at 50. All right. Right. It's just not, we know it, we can see it. It's, you know, trying to pretend otherwise is ludicrous. All right. So Mm -hmm. stop it with that. However, however, Joe Biden in this cognitive decline has never slipped up and said, Hey, you know what we should do? We should let Putin attack all of our NATO allies. So we don't have to pay him anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, he might have turned exactly. the wrong way to get off the stage, but he hadn't turned the wrong way to invite the Russians in with us. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that. so s- just stop it with that. And as we saw last night, uh, Tuesday night in the uh, New York uh, special election to replace that liar, uh, George Santos, uh, yeah. that shit don't play very well uh, in the suburbs. Uh, mm-hmm. So you better come up with something besides immigration and Biden's decline because abortion is still kicking your asses. Mm-hmm. All right. Every mm-hmm. single election, it has kicked your asses every single time. And set, somehow or another, nobody ever talks about it. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what the hell's going on. But, you know, regardless, we here we are. And, and we have this we have this love of Putin coming from uh, the orange guy. And now. Mm-hmm. We've got the same BS coming from Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's just um, it's really mind boggling. Okay, I'm 60 years old, and I would say for at least uh, 56 years of my life. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll be I'll be a little more generous than that because I got I got a factor in the Trump years. So I'll say a good 52 years of my life. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party has been staunchly, you know, just adamantly anti-communist, anti-communist. Mm-hmm. Everything communist was bad. Everything. There was no, nothing good could come out of Russia or communism. They blackballed Paul Robeson way back in the in the ninth in the twentieth century. You know, uh, the middle part of the twentieth century. Uh, they called Martin Luther King Jr. a communist, even though. It, that was so ludicrous on his face because communism, one of its main tenets is, right. you know, there's no God, you know? And yeah. and so here you have them saying a Christian minister, you know, somebody who preaches in a church every Sunday and, and talks about God all the time is a communist. That was just ludicrous. But anyway, you know, so this was, this was all of virtually all of my life. And now all of a sudden we've got these people who are just so happy to sit on Putin's lap, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I really want to express it another way, but I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, in case some of my church members are listening, I don't right. want to say what I'm really thinking, but, yeah, right. so, you lap. know, and hope that, and hope that he's happy to see them. Um, <laughs> so now it's, right, you know, listen, right. this, this is what Tuberville, and listen, so, so a lot of times I think people give Tuberville a pass on things yeah. because, because, He's a moron uh, when it comes to, and they may be, you know, he may know a lot about football, but he's a moron when it comes to to politics, world affairs, the history of the country, how the government works, things of right. that nature. You know, right. so he's That's in a perfect position. Right. Right. And, and so, so people give him a pass sometimes when he just, when he starts to, to ramble and he, uh, and does all that. Um, and, and, uh, they think, well, he got his words mixed up. You know, he just said it off the top of his head. He's not the brightest, but give him some time to calm down. He'll come around. He wrote this. Okay. This is what he wrote last night's Tucker Carlson's interview, which, you know, if you don't know, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. Um, uh, last night's Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin shows that Russia is open to a peace agreement while it is D.C. warmongers who want to prolong the war. That is why I'm voting to stop 60 billion more of our tax dollars to this conflict. Um, you, you know that. You know that you know that Putin started this, right? Right. Uh, 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 right. The Ukraine didn't attack them. You realize right. that, right? And and DC warmongers didn't uh-huh. uh, invade the Ukraine either, by no. the way. Whoever no. DC warmongers are. Yes, this has been you, you know you you all around. I don't know about you, but all around uh, uh, our neighborhood uh, where we mm. live, uh, which is mm. uh, in in Limestone County. Uh, mm. and then I've been in a number of neighborhoods in Madison and Huntsville and around where there are hanging from mailboxes, still little Ukrainian flags, mm. um, mm. you know, showing a lot of support for this. So, and, and I got, a, I got a sneaking suspicion that a lot of those people are, are conservatives and, and Republicans. Um, probably. and, yeah, um, you know, just looking at the homes and where they are, where the homes are located. Mm. Um, but when did this become a, a, a stance that somebody could say out loud where you could take the side of a literal communist dictator over 
even people you might disagree with, and when you call them warmongers, those warmongers are Americans that you're talking about. D.C. Yep. is located in America. Yep. What the fuck are you doing? Yep. But see, this is a, this again is that this is a very strange. Is we're in a twilight zone era when it comes to American politics. Donald Trump has been able to say and do and perpetuate some of the craziest, most hateful, vile, insane, idiotic ideas, uh, things that have gone against not only Republican traditions, but American traditions. And, And he's done it so much and so brazenly that people are just sort of uh, desensitized to it. And, and I think, and now you got Tupperville coming along and echoing, you know, those sentiments, you know, with his recent statement here. And I think again, people are just kind of like, eh, you know, that's just Tupperville being Tupperville or he, or Trump being Trump. And what's unfortunate about that is that, is that the the desensitizing of us then I think normalizes this kind of thinking and it makes it almost mainstream, even though many of us know, well, this is crazy. This is asinine. Nothing about that makes sense. Oh, dude, it's bad shit. I mean, it's bad shit. Insane. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, what are you, what are you? But again, it's being normalized, Josh. But I I just, you know, here's a, here's a question I have though. Uh, especially after last night's election in New York, you know this was a this was a district that elected a Republican not not too long ago, not too terribly long ago. They elected Santos to this position, so this whole entire the entirety of this election boiled down to just a handful of things: uh, immigration, uh, Biden's cognitive decline, and abortion. All right, and so they they strove very hard to make to, to turn immigration into. This is national issue. Oh, the border is in crisis. The migrant caravans are coming left and right. Oh, my God, you're going to all die, and you're going to be replaced by the brown people. You mm-hmm. know, and that's, that was the message that was coming. And they've, oh, and everybody was convinced this is a winning message. This was, oh, my God, the Republicans are getting over with this message and stuff. And then we had a bill, a bipartisan bill, to fix some of what was wrong at the border. Biden said, listen, send me a bill, man. We'll get it done, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is, I got to tell you, I, and my, my, my brother-in-law brought this up to me uh, originally, and so I'll give him, give him credit for that. Um, uh, but, you know, the way Biden negotiates on things is, I mean, it, you can talk about cognitive decline if you want to, and maybe some of these decisions he's not making on his own. But turning that around on them, which is the exact same thing he did with some other issues previously mm-hmm. in 2020 mm-hmm. when he got elected, turning that around on them— in a way that demonstrates that they've got no ideas, they can't govern, and if they abs- if they actually do try to govern, they're going to end up fucking themselves on mm-hmm. this whole thing mm-hmm. is genius. Because it's exactly, you know, it's, uh, CNN interviewed a number of people coming out of the polling, uh, coming out of the, uh, of the polling places yesterday who said, you know, when they turned down the border deal, we knew it was all politics and we're not going to vote for people who can't govern. You know, if you can't govern, then stop it. If it's a crisis, then fix the crisis. If you can't do it, right. then stop talking about it. Right. Um, and, and I think I think some of that is true here, where I, I think that they're looking at this and saying, well, 
we're not going to do these things and the people aren't smart enough to understand it or they're just going to take our word for it or they're going to we're going to do that. We're going to play politics out of it and nobody's going to catch on. And I'm not so sure that they're not catching on. And I'm not so sure that the last few elections haven't shown us that, um, you know, there there are a lot of just normal issues that people care way more about, such Mm -hmm. as abortion and health, you know, the health care rights of women that are trumping all of this political grandstanding nonsense out there. And people are pushing past that bullshit and saying, these are the things that matter to me. And these are the people who are going to solve them. And in every single one of those contested elections where it's competitive, mm-hmm. the Democrats have won every single one of them. And they've done well, it on, on, on the abortion rights issue. Well, I was, I was just going to say, I think abortion has certainly, you know, the, the, uh, the striking down of Roe v. Wade, I think, has changed the tenor of American politics in a significant mm-hmm. way. Now, exactly to what degree and how ex- extensive that is still remains to be seen, I think. But mm-hmm. we certainly know it is galvanized, or we certainly have good reason to believe, it's galvanized the people uh, in, in traditionally blue areas. And even though, um, even though Santos won, in New York, you know, in that election, the reality mm-hmm. is New York was still a blue state. So I think what it's done is it is it has regalvanized the people who would be inclined to um, to vote, uh, you know, in a more progressive way, and and it's marginalized those who haven't. They were never really a minor. They were never really a majority in those in those pockets. I th- in yeah. my opinion. You know, so I, I think I don't that's, know. that's what it is. I think, you know, I, I just, um, and you may be right to, uh, to a large degree in that. I, I just, honestly, though, I, I think that what it has done to me, at least has shown, has, has shown a pathway, uh, for politicians and, and, and listen, it, can, it doesn't have to be Democrats. It can be Republicans as well, but it's shown a pathway of, uh, to, to victory for people who focus on things that really matter to people and stop making crap up, you know? And I think that's what's happened with a lot of, of, of this stuff is people have realized that some of these things, I, let me tell you, I, I give you some examples, Th- this library stuff, that ain't winning nothing for anybody. Hey, mm-hmm. it ain't, it ain't going to matter at all. They're, they're, they're chasing this thing around because they're all stuck in that conservative bubble and they believe that it's a big issue. But I, I, I guarantee you right now, if you walked out on the streets of Huntsville and talked to, t- to 20 people, 19 of them wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, they wouldn't. I mean, what? The library? What are you talking about? No, I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay, whatever. Uh, you know, and, 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 it's, it, and that's, I think that there are a number of issues that they've done exactly like that. While they've left uh, on the table a whole number of stuff, what, what has, the thing that's the most detrimental, especially in this state, has been mm-hmm. the team politics aspect. That had the the fact that people so many voters have allowed the team politics to override personal interest that is what's pro- you i mean you talk about a democrat mm-hmm. somewhere and people are like oh my god a democrat i might as well vote for a communist you know and and right. that no it doesn't matter when you when you i guarantee you if you remove democrat republican remove the names of the people and put down the policy issues down there and what they were going to do what they were going to try to do to fix the policy issues I guarantee right. you that 90% of the people in this, in, in, in Limestone County, that's probably going to go 70% for Donald Trump. 
Okay, I guarantee you that ninety percent of those people would pick the Democrat. Well, so I think I think what remains to be seen, Josh, is whether or not um, these new factors that we're talking about that seem to be working elsewhere are going to be able to work in hardcore Trumpian areas, mm-hmm. because we know that. In those areas, we're not just talking about politics. We're talking about something that transcends politics. Yeah. That is more of a cult. You're, try- you're right. I know, 100%. I know that's strong language, yeah. and some people are going to be offended by that. And I'm sorry, but damn it, that's what I believe. I believe that these people are the hardcore Trumpians are cultists. And so that's what we've got to see. Will this penetrate that? And, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I, no, you're right, and and it it just is a. Um, it, I think though it, it gives you some hope. Maybe it's false hope uh, that that we can we can turn this thing around and by using common sense and, and good governance. Uh, but yeah. you know, uh, maybe it doesn't. Uh, and, but I, you know, you're right. It, it's tough to overcome uh, overcome a cult, and as they often say, it is easier to fool somebody than to convince somebody that they've been fooled. Um, and I think that's what we're dealing with a lot when we talk about the the Trump phenomenon here, and um, and so yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, we'll have Willis, uh, Representative Philip Ensler, and uh, talking about his his gun uh, legislation, and um, and we'll uh, then uh, move along. It's Alabama politics this week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week, Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to be joined by mm-hmm. Representative Philip Ensler. As always, I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's always nice to get representatives on and we get some on and, and talk about things. And typically we get, you know, we get Democrats on, so they, they're pretty, pretty smart fellas. Uh, but, but Philip's at the top of the heap. You know, he's at the, he knows what, he knows what's going on. He knows as, you know, as Tyrion Lannister said, he, he knows things. Uh, I don't know if he drinks, but he, if, if he did, he would drink and know things. But, um, and so, you know, it's a, um, it's always great to have somebody on who can break things down and, and have, has good ideas for good legislation, um, and, and represents a community well. And I think that pretty well describes, uh, Philip Ensler. So, uh, welcome in and, and we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. No, appreciate the very gracious, generous introduction. And, and I, I do enjoy uh, whiskey every now and then. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll add in, uh, you can add in the, the drinking part, um, you know, at, All right. at, at times. Okay. Yes. So he does drink and know things. All right. That's cool. Uh, no, no, all right. You know, I, I know we were going to, we're going to get to uh, some gun legislation that you had, which is fantastic legislation. Um, but I wanted, uh, you know, to first kind of get, 
just your feel for, for how things have opened over the course of the first week and a half or so of, of the legislative session. Um, and, and, you know, and, and particularly, I guess the, the big topic now is, is gambling, uh, for right now, obviously it'll be vouchers later. It'll be some other things. There'll be some craziness about libraries and, and whatnot. But, uh, for now, it seems that, that gambling has dominated the conversation. Well, you know, just where do you think things are with it? And, and how do you think the, the, the legislature has gone for the first, you know, few days? Yep. So we, we certainly have started off with a, a fast pace here. Uh, you know, as we were you know, just discussing right before that, that sometimes when session starts, it's a little bit slow. There are a lot of more, uh, you know, ceremonial parts of it. Uh, but this has come right out of the, the gate. Um, and look, I, I hear from constituents on, on both sides of it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, giving voters the opportunity to decide if, if they want gambling um and gaming that's what this bill is about um i think there's a great provision in there that deals with with funding for education um other states are, are doing it we're just missing out um but look there are a lot of questions uh understandably about the bill uh, members want to understand the specifics of it and you know we'll, we'll have to see it it comes back up in committee at three o'clock today and, and i think that will uh you know shed some light on on it moving forward you know, looking at at your your bills, um, you know the things that that you're you're wanting to to get done. And I, I mean, honestly, I I think once people hear you you describe them, I can't imagine even the most stringent Second Amendment supporters are are going to have a big problem with it. But of course, you know, any any gun legislation is uh, is uh, you know you the liberals trying to take guns out of people's hands, uh, but. Uh, it, so I guess explain kind of what, what your gun legislation is and, and what you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah, so I I hear every day from residents concerned about gun violence, and it, it may be that they've lost a family member to gun violence. It may be that they have a family member who was a perpetrator and committed an act of gun violence. Um, and it, it's just in general residents that, that hear or see it in the community and they say, well, they want elected officials to do something about it. Um, so my proposals are that they are trying to do something. I've, I've said this and I'll, I'll say it you know, over and over and over again. I know that laws alone are not going to stop every act of gun violence. I know laws alone are not going to fix everything, but there are proposals and programs that can try to at least save some lives. So it's absolutely worth it. Uh, to at least try to do something and happy to get into some of the details. But, you know, to your point, none of these are, are taking away guns. None of these are infringing on the Second Amendment. Uh, these are all reasonable things uh, that, that can help at least in some situations reduce acts of gun violence. And, I, and we have, as lawmakers, we have a duty to try. I, I'm a big believer in thoughtful words. I uh, certainly believe in, um, in prayer and sincere prayer. Uh, but I was elected to to go beyond that. I was elected to do thoughts, prayers, and act. Um, and and that third part is what I'm focusing on. So, uh, Philip, what are the particulars? What what are the particulars of your bill? And 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 what do you think as a as a as a part B to this question? What do you think will make it appealing? to those who are, as Josh referred to earlier, sort of staunch Second Amendment kind of folks? 
Yeah, so again, there are a few of them, but, but one of the main ones deals with what are called lock switches or trigger activators. Uh, these are devices that are the size of a cell phone charger. Uh, they're added to the end of a handgun and turn it into a machine gun or into an automatic weapon. And uh, law right now, those are not prohibited under Alabama law. So law enforcement, they're increasingly finding people using these, but they don't have a crime that they can charge someone with. Um, so I think it's appealing, you know, this, the second part of your question is that certainly for those that are concerned about gun violence um, and want lawmakers to do something, this is one way of addressing it, but also there is that support from law enforcement uh, because it's another tool in the toolbox for them to, to enforce the, the possession or use of these really dangerous devices. And you know, what, what really moved me on it, uh, a constituent of mine came up to me after a neighborhood association meeting and she said, look, my son uh, was killed by a gun that had a Glock switch on it. Eyewitnesses saw it. Um, now, of course, there's a murder investigation, but to the extent someone or, or others can be held accountable for using that kind of device on the gun, um, I think that there's a, a wide range of grassroots support uh, from some of your more traditional groups like Moms Demand Action, but then certainly support as well from law enforcement. Um, so it's, it's you know, if we say this or, or, or strive to say this, but it's really not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's not a white or black issue. Um, it's something that's impacting people all over. Um, so I, I really do think that that we can get, you know, good support for that, you know, across the aisle. Well, you know, I certainly hope you will as well. And um, and I would like to be optimistic that you will. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to try to fight my cynicism here because uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that that what you're trying to do is excellent. But I do want to point out a couple of things and get you to respond to them. First of all. <clears throat> when it comes to having the support of law enforcement, that, that can be a good thing. But as we recall, in the very recent past, uh, the you know, right-wing Republican uh, legislators and politicians, and to some degree, I, I would assume voters, uh, really uh, stood flat out in opposition to law enforcement when it came to um, the relaxing of gun reg regulations in this state to such a degree now that that anybody and their mama can walk around with an open carry, right? And and also even more easy, easily access guns. So <clears throat> I'm not so sure that that um, that that's a real strong. The fact that law enforcement is behind it is a real selling point for people on that side of the political spectrum. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, and one would think that, that it would be, um, and certainly for those who, who claim to back the blue, if, if the blue supports something, um, you know, look, I, I know there are going to be, you know, not everyone is, is 100% aligned. Um, but no, that's that's a great point. And and look, what the biggest issue I heard in my campaign was exactly that, where people concerned about permitless carry, people Democrat, Republican, independent, who said, look, you know, they're all for the Second Amendment, but they think that there have to be reasonable measures put in place. Um, and that's what I said. I said, look, I stand with law enforcement on this one um, because it is really important that that we have that in place. So 
all that to say that I'm I'm not naive. I know that that having a coalition of of groups from the left and right uh, in itself isn't enough. Um, but I'm I'm encouraged that at at the state house we have um, you know there seems to be enough understanding that this is a real issue um, and something that's not infringing on the Second Amendment, not infringing on due process in any way. Um, so my my hope lies in in the goodwill of, of my colleagues uh, here at the State House. Well, I think it's really unfair for both of y'all to hold these people to their words about back in the blue when they clearly <laughs> only said that when they were locking up black people, okay, uh-huh. and beating them. And so, uh-huh. they, I mean, just now that they want safety, you can't back them on just safety. I mean, come on, y'all. Well, that's just completely unfair, both of you. Right. No. And, and look, and, and to, you know, all jokes aside on other point, I, you know, something I'm mindful of is, is on this, you know, what we don't want is a situation because our prisons are obviously in really bad conditions to say the least. What we don't want is, is this to end up to an incarceration issue where, where the police are then over incarcerating. So I have a provision in there uh, where the first, um, uh, the first time offense for these would be community service. And with that, I hear from clergy, I hear from mentorship groups, you know, they want to work particularly with young people that are getting caught up in gun violence. Um, so having that community service aspect to start sends a mess, not just sends a message, but actually will hopefully lead to say it is a younger person, um, you know, that has one of these devices that instead of getting locked up immediately, uh, there's an initial opportunity there for them to work with clergy or work with mentorship groups, you know, and do community service because I am mindful of the incarceration part. Um, you know, we'll see how that, that plays out, but then, you know, it, there's the second offense of it though, is, is a very stiff, um, you know, penalty for it. Right. You know, um, back, uh, just a, a few weeks, by a few months ago, uh, when, when the conflict, uh, in the, in the Middle East started, um, I don't want to say started because obviously we know that this has gone on for, for quite some time, but uh, became more heated uh, of, of late um, uh, in regards to Israel. That we, We've seen a number of anti-Semitic acts uh, around the country and in this state. Uh, a few, few weeks back, there were a number of bomb threats uh, in this state. I think, the, as a matter of fact, you were, you were present for one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess... If you would, being you, you still are the only Jewish member of of our legislature, correct? Um, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to just do like a a, a weird open ended kind of you know tell us how you feel about that sort of a question, but I mean, because I think we we know how you you obviously feel, but you know how how has how have those things kind of affected you? personally, and what sort of reactions have you seen from, from those around you, particularly those on, I, I guess, on the right or even on the left who, who aren't uh, necessarily uh, always the best at, at spotting offensive messaging? Sure. No, and I appreciate you asking. And, and um, you know, let me just say this, that, that there have been bomb threats against Jewish congregations since the October 7th attacks. We don't know, though, if they're at all related. Um, so what I would very much caution people, and, and you know some have, is to try to jump to conclusions that, well, the bomb threats are a result of what's happening in the Middle East. 
we don't know that. Um, and, you know, anti-Semitism was already on the rise in this country um, and certainly throughout the world, um, you know, before the October 7th attacks. Um, all that to say, regardless of who it's coming from and who's behind it, it, it is it's very scary. And look, no one should should deal with bomb threats or mass shootings anywhere, whether it's a supermarket, a place of worship, a school. Um, but to have it happen, particularly at a Sabbath service um, for us, which was a day of rest, a day of particularly of, of peace, and to have it disrupted where we had to evacuate the building um, was very, very troubling, to say the least. And you know, we are constantly now thinking about, not not just now, but, but constantly for years now have been thinking about if we're going to have an event and if we're going to have a Hanukkah event, if we're going to have uh, a get together, you know, as a community, if we're going to have a worship service, you know, having adequate security there. Um, and that's something that that we do because we want people to come together peacefully to, to you know, gather as a community. Uh, but it's it's been scary to think about. And, and it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, um, you know, to put into. But but that's what we're going to continue to do. I think the people that hate us or the people that 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 want to inflict that fear, um, you know, through these kinds of threats. They want people to stop gathering. They want us to live with that fear. Now we're not going to be, you know, foolish about it. We're we're going to have protocols in place, um, you know, to make sure that we can come together. But the best way I think to defy them is to continue to to you know show that we're not going to give in and, and we're not going to stop you know coming together as a community. And look, we've been dealing with with anti-Semitism in many forms for you know, literally thousands of, of years now. And there are always people that that persecute Jewish people. There are people that hate, you know, and I often say this, the people that hate me that I'm Jewish often hate someone because they're black. They hate someone who's LGBTQ because of their sexual orientation. So, you know, it, it motivates me, you know, as an individual, but as a lawmaker also to, to just stand up for any group that's been persecuted or is persecuted, um, no one should live in fear. No one should be targeted because of who they are or their background. Well, you know, that's what I was going to bring up. There's a, I don't know if you guys noticed during the Super Bowl, but there was at least one or two commercials that, uh, and I think they were from the ADL, I think, uh, or an ADL affiliate uh, that addressed the fact that, that hate was up in general. Uh -huh. And so you've got, a wide range of people being targeted for hate, not just Jewish people, but, you know, black people, Muslims, as you said, LGBTQ. Um, and the, the, the essence of the message seemed to be that the, uh, the, the rise in hate in one community almost seems to foster an atmosphere of hate just across the board. So in our state, um, you know, whether it's, you know, um, uh, targeting of people. Like we've got a candidate who's running right now. Um, uh, I can't remember exactly the, I want to say a judicial candidate, but some candidate is running right now that has a commercial in which he features a woman in silhouette complaining about the fact that her child was given a Black Lives Matters book. Mm -hmm. To me, that's, 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 that's on the road to hate. I'm not going to say that's a school board exclusive. guy. He tried to get on the, school, the state school board. Okay, yeah. school board. Okay, I yeah. couldn't remember what it was, but you know that's that's not that's not maybe not explicit hate, but it's certainly headed in that direction, in my opinion, as a black man. Um, what what do you think? What do you think we can do, or is there anything, Philip, we can do 
to try to combat this in a way that will resonate with the vast majority of people. Because the sense I get is that the vast majority of people are either agnostic when it comes to the idea of hating groups, whatever the group may be, whoever the group may be, or worse, they're complicit. No, and, and something that, that I constantly think about is, is, right, those who know better but go along with it, meaning especially some of those more moderate voices um, who maybe are politically afraid or they're doing something politically because it's going to um, you know, be beneficial that, that if we talk about it as far as, as values and say it's the values of caring about each other, the values of, of loving you know, your neighbor, now, again, it, it, that's not going to necessarily motivate or stop some of, of the, the what's happening politically. Um, but that's at least what I try to do is bring it back to, you know, this isn't about some agenda, you know, seeing each other for who we are, ex- loving each other for that, accepting those those differences. Um, but it is it's 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 troubling, you know, these these attacks on on library boards uh you know on on the teaching of of history um it's 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 troubling but i think if we try to at least bring it back to these kind of shared proclaimed human values of of caring about each other you know hopefully some people will be moved on that um but look it it takes courage and it takes people you know willing to to stand up for what they believe in um and not just going along with the crowd because it's politically popular yeah, listen, we'll, we'll get you. I know you, you're busy, but um, I, I wanted to ask one th- one final thing about the, along this line. Uh, you're, you're there every day with uh, with a lot of Republicans um, uh, and a lot of people who support the former president. Um, I, I don't think that at this point there's any argument, any serious argument that can be made about the rise of of certain levels of hate. I mean, we all saw the Charlottesville stuff and the, you know, the chance of the Jews will not replace us. And, uh, you know, the, the various things that, that went on during, during that administration and still are, are, are going on today with the proud boys and whatnot. Um, do you get the sense that any of the people who are now proclaiming to be on the right, who are now proclaiming to be outraged by, uh, the, you know, the antisemitism that they see, uh, because apparently it's now popular within their party to to be outraged by this. Do you get any sense that they have tied any of those things together? Uh, that uh, that they have been able to to link those things? Yeah, great question, and and that's what I remind people of. Of of it. Yes, it's it is very meaningful to condemn the anti-Semitism that we're we're now seeing or, or seeing more of. Um, mm-hmm. But it has to be across the board. If you're going to condemn anti-Semitism from some people, you have to condemn it from the white supremacists, and you know whether it's coming from the far left or the far right, or you know people that don't fall in a, in any category. Um, so that's what I remind people of. Of yes, I'm I'm appreciative of of those that are outspoken against that hatred, um, but speak out against it in all its forms and go further and condemn hatred against anyone because of who they are, any minority group. Um, certainly my Jewish background has motivated me, um, you know, to stand up for, for, you know, other groups and, you know, having that alliance, having that coalition is, is so important. Um, I do want to just add in, you know, quickly on, on the, can I just add in something on the gun violence part? Uh, yeah, sure. just to, one thing I really wanted to 
share. Um, one of the proposals deals with violence prevention. So right now we have a pilot program in Montgomery Public Schools that works with young people uh, to try to stop them from before they get into a, a violent conflict. Um, so I want to have more of that where it has nothing to deal with do with necessarily regulating guns or access to uh, you know firearms. It's dealing with it on the front end of trying to de-escalate some of those conflicts. Um, and that can be done on the school level. Um, there's a lot of, of increasing research that shows uh, that hospital-based intervention. So if a gunshot violent, a gunshot victim comes in and there's an intervention, uh, that can stop the retaliatory process or, or kind of situation. Um, so a lot of the other proposals, you know, deal with with having a state office of violence prevention having some more funding for those kind of conflict resolution programs. Um, and same thing, that's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It should sure. not uh, make the, the, the people uh, on the, you know, the right in any way. Um, but look, I do also have a proposal for red flag laws. Uh, those will be more controversial, um, but it's another tool in the toolbox for people to intervene um, and try to stop these before they, they happen. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it, you know, kind of bigger picture, not just gun violence, but dealing with anti-Semitism, dealing with some of these threats. I do have a bill uh, dealing with swatting uh, that's coming up in, in a committee. Um, and that also has gotten a range of support from the left and right saying, you know, these bomb threats, these uh, threats of, of, of mass shootings, um, that, that there should be a way to try to deter them. Um, so I'm hoping that from my personal experience, uh, but also just knowing how much this is increasingly happening, you know, that we try to stop some of this, this culture. Um, it was really interesting. I'll, and I'll wrap up on this note. Um, I read um, recently there was a, a someone who talked about how in America we have this culture of trauma. We're constantly dealing with bomb threats, mass shooting, uh, you know, all of this stuff. And he was like, no wonder Americans are so anxious because we're always in this state of trauma and the state of fear. Um, mm -hmm. So big picture, you know, my hope is someone with these gun violence bills, with the spotting bill, um, trying to address some of this this violent culture that we have in our country. Um, you know, we, we it's it's hurting our it's hurting everyone, but it's particularly hurting our children, you know, who are living with it every day um, and growing up with it. So if we can, you know, take reasonable steps, um, we can make things a little bit better. Well, I think that's uh, that's certainly very, very uh, noble. And, I, and listen, that you know, you, you say that there's it's, it's not right or left, but I mean, you know, it's these are very smart ideas that you've got. So they had to come from a Democrat. So, uh, but listen, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I, I I really do appreciate you, and uh, David does as well, coming on and spending yeah, some time. Absolutely. I know y'all are busy over there, uh, and and I know you've you've got to get back out and uh, and and hit up some committees and uh, and have a nice full fun day, right? Absolutely. Yep. I'm on to the, the next meeting, but no, I appreciate you guys and I'm uh, always happy to come on and thanks for, for always a, a good, thoughtful dialogue. It, it's always, uh, always meaningful. Absolutely. Thank you. That is, uh, is representative Philip Ensler. He's, uh, he's one of the best we got. And so uh, sure. we're always happy to have him on and we'll, we'll do so again, I'm sure before the session is over with, especially when may hopefully some of that legislation uh, that he has gets passed. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute uh, with, with more, uh, with more guests. Uh, so it's uh, it's a full day here. Uh, it's Alabama politics this week. We'll be back in a minute.
All righty. Welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And again, you know, the, the music that you're hearing is uh, is coming from uh, Selma the Musical. They were gracious enough to allow us to play uh, some of their songs so you can get a taste of, of what that's going to be like uh, uh, when when they're at the impact in in the next uh, two weeks. Uh, two weeks from Friday, right? Uh, I believe is, is correct on the 20, 23rd. Um, and so, and we are happy now. Um, actually, we're way more than happy because um, this is one of our this is one of our first times to to have a social justice warrior of the month with us. Uh, it's brought to you by the SPLC, and um, there are a lot of folks that that probably we could have we could have put in, and you know it would have been it would have been nice, you know it would have been okay, but. You know us, me and David. We don't mess around with with, with B list. We go straight to the top. There you we go, go. We go right up. We go right to the <laughs> top of the of the list. We don't we don't mess around with that. When mm-hmm. we we say, hey, get us a civil rights activist to come on. <laughs> okay, how about one of the most notable? Mm-hmm. It's Cheyenne Webb Christberg. Cheyenne Webb, one of the youngest marchers with Dr. King, one of the youngest marchers across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Uh, she's got books. She's been around. You know her. And we are happy now to have her on with us, along with Lauren Blanding with the Southern Poverty Law Center to talk about Selma the Musical that's going to be coming up. And uh, Miss Webb Kreisberg is going to be at Selma the Musical uh, as a special guest. and uh, But she's the most special guest here. Uh, thank you so much for, for spending some time yes. with us today and coming on and talk and just to talk about yourself. Thank you. I'm just so delighted to share with you all today. And thank you for your kind words, uh, Mr. Moon. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That's, uh, listen, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, what you've done over the course of your life is is tremendous, um, and and I and so, you know, I guess the only way to kind of start something like this is to go to the beginning, um, if you don't mind, and I guess kind of kind of talk about what uh, what you recall. Uh, first of all, how old were you? How, how did you get become involved in 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 civil rights marches at that age, and and what you remember? Well. It was when I was eight years old, growing up in the Selma Civil Rights Movement, really when my life was changing without me really even knowing it. Growing up in the midst of experiencing and witnessing racial discrimination, uh, injustices, inequality, violence, and even death of people that I had an opportunity to meet as that little girl growing up in that movement who actually died during that time. You know, this was very devastating to me. And as I continued to to grow in that movement, you know, there were times, uh, Josh, when I was not only just, I was a disobedient child, but there were were also times when I was scared and, and fearful for my life. My parents couldn't do anything with me. I would slip out of the back door to now the historic Brown Chapel Church because I grew up in George Washington Carver Projects where the historic church sits right in the center of. Mm -hmm. But I I, I just became very disobedient because, you know, my at that time it was it was a risk. It wasn't ordinary for anyone to join in that movement. And of course, my parents weren't subtracted from that. They had to work. Uh, to feed us, to clothe us. They worked in factories and 
and they were afraid just like many others. And at that time, they didn't have uh, the right to vote. So I had the, the opportunity and I feel very grateful uh, to have had that opportunity to meet the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A day and time in which I would never, never forget. And, and from childhood to present, you know, Dr. King and others have had a profound impact on my life. And, and you know, as we, as we, most of us know, um, one of the things that was very prevalent in terms of uh, the cause and, and, and what Dr. King and others who led marches for in Selma during that time was for African-Americans to gain the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And little did I know about voting, but it didn't take me long to understand that if 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 you were black, you just didn't have that right to vote. Right. And I thought I would fight for my parents because they were afraid. And and I and rather than me going to school, I would stop at Brown's Chapel Church and join in uh, the marches. I would slip out of my back door and go to the many mass meetings that took place when Dr. King and others would come to Selma, Alabama to join in that struggle. So Ms. Christberg, you were doing this at eight years old? You were slipping out and you I weren't was, afraid? Yes. You, you weren't afraid at all? No, the only time that I really became afraid, uh, I actually would say, you know, growing up in that movement, uh, Mr. Person, I, I became very brave as that little girl. Uh, you couldn't just be in the middle of that without getting a, a spirit of hope, a, a spirit of courage that was embedded in you to want to fight. And I was, you got to remember, I was around people who were there who were willing to risk their lives, right, uh, right. who had come from many places. So either you were a part of it or you weren't. And I just decided that I wanted to be a part of it. Okay, so Ms. Kreisberg, after, well, first of all, that's, that's powerful and beautiful. But after the murder, let's say, of Jimmy Lee Jackson in Marion, I'm sure you must have heard about that as a child. Um, after, because that, that, that predated the, uh, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, that predated Bloody Sunday. Um, did that not, when you learned that somebody had been killed by Sheriff Jim Clark, did that not at all concern you that perhaps this was not just about marching, but maybe you were even risking your very life as a child? Well, let me, let me just say this. Uh, I would tell you it wasn't, it wasn't a good feeling hearing about not only a person being killed, but even a person being beaten and hurt and, and uh, facing, uh, just facing uh, racial barriers. And I saw, I saw and I heard much of that. As a matter of fact, my father took me to Jimmy Lee Jackson's film mm. as a little girl. Mm. And, and, and it's one thing that I would, I would say uh, to this audience is that you couldn't be in the midst of what was going on during that during those turbulent times without having uh, a spirit of hope and determination with a strong commitment of wanting something to change. And I guess the, that type of spirit really was imparted in me 
during that time because I got a chance to meet people like Viola Luso, who who stayed in GWC home, Jonathan Daniels, who stayed next door. And, and I got a chance to meet all those people and they would constantly talk to me and try to explain things to me other than what I saw as a child because I was very inquisitive. And because of that, it really motivated me more to want to be a part of it. Viola Liuzzo and Jonathan Daniels, two white people who were murdered, assassinated, martyred for the civil rights movement. Viola Liuzzo was the only woman, the only white woman that I'm aware of who gave her life for the civil rights movement. Jonathan Daniels, of course, wasn't the only white man, but certainly his, his murder, his assassination was significant. Um, how did that resonate locally, that these two white people were killed in order to help black people in Alabama get the right to vote? Well, it resonated uh, in a very emotional way, particularly for me, uh, because they were two, as a matter of fact, Viola also spent a lot of, a great deal of time with me because she was spending much of her time in GWC homes. And because of that, I was surrounded by her and Jonathan Daniels a lot. She used to comb my hair when I, I would slip out of my door and wouldn't even give my parents uh, time to comb. And she pierced my ears when I was a little girl. So during wow. those times that we spent together, you couldn't be around those people without number one, me being that inquisitive girl asking questions uh, because there were things that I didn't quite understand and I wanted a better, um, and they would help to put it in perspective for me as a child. But it, it really, it was sad for me, very sad and emotional for me uh, when both of them were killed. But it didn't stop me in terms of not wanting to, to even uh, fight hard and be a part of, of what was going on in Selma at that time. It really, again, motivated me more to want to do something uh, to make a difference. You know, she mentioned sneaking out um, and, and, and not telling her parents where she was going. Uh, she also did that for the third march uh, the, the, across. <laughs> so how, how did it come to be? that you snuck out that time and how did your parents find out? And I've got a, I've got a six year old daughter. Uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, what's, you know, what, what, what did your parents say to you after they figured out that you had basically taken off in a van with, with folks to, to, to participate in this march? Well, I made parenthood very difficult for my parents. <laughs> yeah, I would say. I would it, say it, that's right. It, yeah. it, it, it was the obvious that they would always be concerned about me, uh, you know, during those turbulent times because you never, never knew what would happen. However, uh, because of that, when even when I, I went to the third uh, March, I, I was under the umbrella of Dr. King and his entourage. My parents didn't know that I had snuck out again to uh, participate on that march. When we were marching on that day uh, from Selma to Montgomery, I went up to Dr. King and, and I was telling him because he was concerned about who I was with. And of course, I was telling him I came by myself. And that's when he 
put me under the umbrella of one of his uh, women uh, assistants. And that's when they called my parents to let them know that I was in good care with them. And my, my parents came to pick me up at St. Jude uh, <laughs> that night at the Freedom Rally. And I right. cried all the way, all the way back to Selma because I wanted to stay the entire time. And because I cried and, and, and my, 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 both my parents saw how hurt I was, my dad got up early the next morning to bring me back to Montgomery to join on the march from St. Jude to the Capitol. Mm. I'll never forget that day. Mm. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, oh, wow. I want to mention uh, we we're, we're also now joined uh, by J.P. Haynes, uh, who is the, the writer and creator of Selma the Musical, and um, you know, and I think there's a there's kind of a misconception sometimes when you hear uh, stories uh, like Miss Kreisberg's and 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 what she did, and you think, oh, there's all of this great material to use uh, to use. It must be tremendously easy to write anything about this, but I've got to imagine that that trying to to put this together uh, and and trying to pick it, you know stories and and how to fold everything and part of this is is a tremendous challenge and and from what I understand it is a tremendous challenge that has been well accomplished by you and th thank you for for coming on and joining us for a few minutes. So yeah, no, thank you. And you know, folks like Miss Christberg with uh, those stories, I. I've I've been writing the show and rewriting and performing for seven years, but they just never get old. Like just listening over and over. Um, it's to me captivating, but you are absolutely right. It, it is honestly, truly impossible to encompass everyone's story. Um, we do, I, you know, my intention is to, try to tell the most concise, most truthful story possible and for each person to feel seen and their story to be told in some way, uh, which is why we entitle it Selma the Musical, The Untold Stories. Um, There's so many things people don't know from, you know, C.T. Vivian to Reverend Orange and the Night March and James, uh, Jimmy Lee and all of these things. And it's just you're right. People would think, oh my gosh, it's the plethora of material. It's really easy. Yeah. If you want a six hour musical, probably, but <laughs> yeah, if, you right? want, yeah. if you, yeah. if you want to, you know, get it in that two, two and a half hour pocket, um, like most musical theater pieces, um, it can be really, it has been really challenging. And the more information I learn, um, I just changed something the other day during rehearsal, um, after reading, um, a dissertation on Hosea Williams. And I, I was just like, oh, we got to add this. And my creative team is like, Jana, you cannot add anything else. And I'm like, but it's, it's just, it's so hard, right? To, you, we can't name everyone. You can't um, tell everyone's story, but what you can try to do is honor the truth and hope that um, the foot soldiers, those whose story it, it is, like Ms. Christberg Webb, can see the intention and say, they got that part. They got this right. So right. yeah, it's it's yeah. impossible to tell it all, but we 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 really try um, yeah. to to honor it as as best as we can. 
You know, when I we, we did a, I worked at the Montgomery Advertiser for a long time, and we did a a, a series of pieces about uh, the fiftieth anniversary of the bus boycott, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 as part of that, we went around and we talked to just a number of people who were involved, and what was always striking to me were how many just utterly heroic and selfless people mm-hmm. who did phenomenally brave things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you never have heard never of. Never hear that about. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. you've never heard of before. And it's just, I mean, there's so many stories of people standing up. This group, of, I remember interviewing this group of teachers who, who, who had taken, basically they'd lost their jobs. Uh, for, mm-hmm. you know, but they had they had taken this federal court case on, and and it just and, and you know and they took threats and bomb. I mean, the number of bombs that went off mm-hmm. in the city mm-hmm. of Montgomery, was, mm-hmm. it's just people they just dismiss it out of hand now, like it's it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you people talking about? Right. You know, and it just I can't even begin to imagine mm-hmm. trying to put this, trying to condense it down into a two and a half hour musical with with music. You know, it's just <laughs> I, 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 it's, I'm, I'm really honestly in in kind of awe. Of what you've done here, really. Mm. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, going to your point about that, Josh, um, you know, what, what Birmingham was called Bombingham at one point, right? Right. I mean, just that yeah. the, and we all kind of dismissed that. Uh, Jana Haynes, I, I think, now this is a deviation, just a slight deviation, but I think we may have a friend in common. Are you, are, do you know Natalie Wells' tips? Uh, and the reason I ask is you directed or were involved in the production of uh, The Color Purple in uh, yeah. in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Yeah. And I went to see that with Natalie Wells Tibbs, uh, one of my friends and colleagues. In fact, she was the one who turned me on to it. She said that her, um, that her, uh, someone that was very close to her was the director of that production. And I was wondering... I was- I was the assistant director. I didn't. Oh. I didn't direct it, but I was the assistant. Mm-hmm. I was the assistant okay. director, so she might, she might have known my director very well. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the AD for that one. Okay, got you. Well, mm-hmm. let me just say that was a phenomenal production. So, oh, thank you. Just, thank just you. Based, just based on that alone, I can recommend Selma the Musical without <laughs> even seeing it. Oh, I seen it because that was so, phenomenal. As if I'm not nervous enough. Thank you. We we'll appreciate that. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Lauren, I wanted to, to bring you in as well, Lauren Blanding with SPLC. Um, you know, can you give us uh, the details of, of the show? Uh, what uh, you know? What where can folks buy tickets? Uh, what uh, you know? What what all uh, do they need to know uh, to, to get to the show? And, and can they meet any of the of the folks that Selma the musical is based on? Sure. So the musical will be held for one night only. Um, it's going to be Friday, February 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. And it'll be located at MPS. I'm about to say MPS. Impact. Right, the Performing Center. Arts Center. Right. Um, tickets can be purchased through Ticketmaster. Or if anyone is in the Montgomery area or the River Region area, you can go to the Impact box office to purchase tickets. And yes, we'll have opportunities for attendees to, of course, um, meet and chat with Ms. Will Priceberg, but also the cast and crew members of um, of the musical. They'll be available before the show. Um, we'll have something during intermission. I'm trying not to spoil too much of the fun, um, but it's going <laughs> to be sure. a good time. And I've been taking notes myself. So just with the musical, continuing to have that hope, determination, um, seeing the change 
So we want to see everyone there February 23rd at 6 p.m. Why, why only one night? Is is there a reason behind that? or? Well, one night we were looking to support um, Jana and mm-hmm. her crew, Cass, mm-hmm. because, and Jana tell me if I'm speaking too much, but the show will debut on Broadway. So we wanted to bring it here to Alabama just to, nice. based on the oh. musical, the history of everything. Look at that. Before nice. the music actually debuts, we wanted to have a chance to bring it here to Alabama. Beautiful. But you may be speaking something to existence. If if we need to possibly uh-huh. have another night, um, uh-huh. we can try to work those things out. But def- we wanted to bring it here just for one night. Beautiful. Sure. Beautiful. That was, uh, yeah. Uh, congratulations, uh, Miss Haynes. Yes. Well, we're still working those deals out. Um, sure. You know, it's we've been working on this. And, and you know, Miss Webb Kreisberg actually came to our show in 2019 in Montgomery. And it's a much, much different show. But at the time, she did give us a stamp of approval. So I felt okay with moving forward with it. Yes. <laughs> um, this is <laughs> awesome. This is a much different show than you saw even. You know, back then I, I rewrote and rewrote and um, the pandemic caused us to pivot, obviously, at that time. But, but yeah, we've been in conversations with multiple Broadway producers, um, film producers. Actually, Lauren, some of those Broadway producers are flying in for the show, um, as well as those film producers from L.A. So we've got some special guests coming in. Um, so this might be our one night only as well. Like, shot. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. You know, yeah, yeah. Don't throw away yeah. your shot. I, I heard yeah, it right. one time. Speaking uh, of Hamilton. Yeah. Um, right. But, um, <laughs> you know, so many people have asked, why is it only one night? Why is it only one night? So maybe, you know, maybe there's a, an extension or another opportunity in the future. We, we, uh, SPLC has been terrific to work with Lauren and Taffney. They've been so uh, accommodating and so pleasant and and doing production. Sometimes it's not, it's just not like that, but Mm -hmm. they've been really great to work with. So we'd, we'd obviously entertain anything in the future. Um, Well, if we, if we can do anything at all to, to help promote or or do anything, please, please let us know. And, uh, and I, I gotta say though, uh, just from the brief conversations that we've had so far, if if Miss Webb Kreisberg says that you're good, she doesn't seem like a uh, somebody that that just gives you a lot of fluff. Right. Uh, you know, oh, that, I believe she's just going to say not. Yeah, she should be like this. Yeah. If if Miss Haynes' hands is in it, you better believe it's going to be uh uh very very good and and I mean nice. excellent. And I'm looking so forward to it, Miss Haynes, and I'm really uh, being a youth advocate. Uh, Usually, I strike the course with a lot of young people, and that's what we are trying to encourage young people to come to the musical. Beautiful. Yes. No. Thank you so much. That's it's it's an honor, truly. Um, no words. Thank you so much. Did, well, did, listen. Uh, we we hope that, that that everything goes fantastic. We hope that you end up on Broadway, mm-hmm. and uh, we can all. I, we'll, I'll travel up to New York and see it. Uh, and uh, it's. Uh, we encourage everybody to go uh, get your tickets. Uh, we're going to give away a couple of pairs of tickets uh, uh, through our folks here through a little email contest where the folks know that they can email in. Uh, but thank y'all all so much, uh, especially you, Miss Webb Christberg, for, yes. for coming on and, and telling your stories. And not only that, but just for what you've done, Amen just for what that. you've done with your, with, with your, with your you. life yes. and, and the people that you've helped. Yes. Uh, we thank really, you. 
we're, we're a better we're a better place all the way around mm-hmm. for you. We really are. Amen to that. I've enjoyed it, and thank you for the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Our, thank, thank you, ladies, so much. We're going to slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up. It's Alabama Politics This Week. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back, <laughs> Alabama politics this week. We have a little bit of fun during the during the breaks. Uh, yeah, honestly, I tell you what, we should do. We should sell off the conversations that we have during the breaks. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some things that happen during there that are some of the funniest things that uh, ever. Um, uh, the, should I mention again the music that you've heard uh, throughout the show has been from Selma the Musical. Um, it's a fantastic production, um, and I would encourage anybody in the in and around the Montgomery area, or you know, just travel down. I, again, I'm I'm not I, when I say I, I'd like to go. I, I'm going to tell you a secret. All right, I all probably right. shouldn't tell. All right, I, I, I'm a I'm a musical. Okay. Are you? Yeah, okay. I love them. I love them. Why, why is that? Why does that have to be a secret, well, though? I don't know. It doesn't have to be a secret. I just I like I like plays. I like um, uh, I love uh, and and I I like musicals. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's you know I, I don't I don't know what you know where, where that puts me on the spectrum of of you know my my male my male standings <laughs> but, machismo. Uh, yeah, my, my machismo uh but you know i i, I do man i i, I love uh, hamilton thought it was the greatest one of the greatest things phenomenal. i've ever seen yeah mm-hmm. uh wicked it's fantastic i don't know if you saw the the wicked commercial uh you're know, gonna make a movie out of that now that's uh, coming mm-hmm. out uh okay um did not care for les mis thought it was terrible uh but uh mm-hmm. you know uh phantom of the opera uh the uh, i mean just it's you know I, I I'm a sucker that. for Les Mis in just about any form. I got to be honest with you. That this that was the first major piece of literature I ever read as a as a human being as a high right. schooler. Now and that just, oh yeah, now the, now the writing. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm I'm no. not I'm not in any way knocking the writing. I, but no. here's what I don't like. Okay, here's okay. here's and it's All a right. personal preference. It's a personal uh-huh. preference. Okay, I don't like singing when you should be talking. Okay, uh, okay. I know it's a musical. I know, yep. but in the more modern musicals, they they just talk and then they start singing. Okay, uh, and, and that's what I like. Okay, I don't I don't like the 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 singing every single line of the of, you know it just it 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 uh, for some reason or another it comes off as idiotic to me. Okay, okay. I mean okay. you know and and so that that that's the reason why I don't like it. But okay, um, that's you know that's, the, that's a fair criticism, I think. I, you know, and it's not because even really it's not a about the it's not about the art; it's about the uh, the execution of the art. Yes, eh, absolutely, and, and it's not so. It's yeah. not a criticism of it at all. It's just a personal preference, really. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, listen, I you know, I, I so I love I love all of those uh, the, those little singing cheesy things. I've, I've been to see the Book of Mormon. Uh, you know, I thought that was 
fantastically funny. I've heard uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you, know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta be willing to, to take some shots uh, there. You know, it's uh, a, yeah. it, it gets a little rough in the second act, uh, but it's uh, you know, things happen. Um, yeah. uh, but listen, uh, I think from what I've heard from, from everyone who has seen this along the way, and there have been different, uh, iterations of this, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you heard, uh, Debbie Haynes say, uh, she, you know, she put this thing together and then she's changed it many times since then. And, um, I, I and I meant exactly what I said too. I, I don't, I can't fathom putting together. Uh, a, a single standalone two and a half hour production of anything related to Selma um, and and the way those stories flow from there. Mm. Uh, the movie I thought was great um, uh, that they you know they filmed in, in Montgomery and around in yeah. Selma as well. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic production. It uh, was, but yeah. um, but I, I, you know even that you know, I, I think a movie would almost be easier. Uh, because you can kind of focus on the primary character uh, of Dr. King and, um, and, and move it along uh, through the flow of things without trying to get off into the, uh, you know, into all of the other people who were involved in, mm-hmm. in the movement itself. Um, and, you know, uh, that, there, I mean, it just, it, it, there's no, I mean, you, you just, people just don't understand. You, you, the, the the women that that's, that went to to ASU and and printed off the flyers for the meetings uh, the the people that drove cars around at risk of their lives to take people back and forth to work during the height of the bus boycott uh, I mean it just it, it, it's never ending how many people were there the the uh, the Gratzes the Gratzes Jeannie uh, uh, and and Reverend Bob Gratz mm-hmm. uh, who ran one of the churches that ran ran the church where. Uh, Rosa Parks worked as the NAACP youth uh, leader mm-hmm. um, and in their home because they participated in the bus boycott and driving people around and because they were white people that, that took part in that, their home was bombed three times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they had, they had young children in their house mm-hmm. and their home was bombed. Uh, I mean, it just, the, the stories of people who did, and they still kept going. They kept yeah. staying there. They kept, yeah. you know, and it just, it, listen. It's, you know, that's the power of You come of by here and bomb my house, we're leaving tomorrow, okay? Mm. That's mm. a wrap, you know? That's the power it of just, con- it's the power of conviction, Josh. I mean, that's there's something uh, spiritual just innately. And I'm not talking about formal religion now. I'm talking about this deeper sort of sense of belief in right and wrong that, that transcends any one religious system or even any religious system, that people have such deep convictions about right and wrong that they are literally willing to put their lives on the line. And those are the people that change societies. Those are the people that, that elevate us uh, in ways that, you know, even I would argue even conventional religion doesn't do. Uh, It's just powerful, man. You know, uh, you know, I think about all of these people, you know, we can all these people killed and martyred, all these people who, as you're saying, sacrificed their lives, the Virginia Durs, you know, and, 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 you know, especially, I think, when you're talking about white people who could have just as easily just said, it's not my fight. I sympathize. You know, and I and I and I hate what's happening, but this is not my fight, and I'm not going to risk my family 
my livelihood, my life, and yet they did it. And some yeah. of them did it to the point where they were killed, like like we mentioned before with Viola Liuzzo and Jonathan Daniels and others. So it's an amazing thing, man. You're right. Oh, it was. I mean, that you know that that bus boycott did you know went on for a year, a full mm-hmm. year, you know, mm-hmm. of that of, of those folks walking everywhere they went. Uh, or, or getting rides, you know, to, to and from work. And, and you're right. And, and I'll say this too, you know, one, so some of the other things that we learned in doing that were that there were a lot of, of white people who, who didn't take that step up to the very big, you know, to the very top and, and start participating in it with them. But they would, you know, their, their, their help around their house. And that's who we were talking about. There was a lot of domestic help that would, the folks that were, were typically going either to stores to work or to homes to work for the day, uh, you know, taking care of the homes. There were a lot of white people that went and picked them up and, and brought them in, knew what they were doing. And, you know, and it was illegal, uh, technically, I guess, or uh, not technically, I don't know. Yeah, it was I'd illegal for them to, to do that. And, uh, they were, um, you know, they were that they could have they could have gotten themselves into into a bit of trouble as well. But you know, it was one of those things. Hey, we'll we'll come and do it. We understand what you're going through, but we don't want to be necessarily a part of the whole thing. But we're going to facilitate this. And um, you know, there, there were a lot of others who didn't. Uh, there were a lot of others who didn't. And um, you know, there there's some folks now that uh, that that have a a tour of Montgomery. It's kind of an off the books tour uh, of Montgomery uh, that they they can they take people on. Um, and uh, and it, it it marches them through some of those things where the folks had to go in the back doors of certain stores and where the white water fountains and black water fountains used to be and and so it tells some of that some of that old history of 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 that town and um and it just it it was what what kills me about it is is to think my my parents were alive when this was going on you know mm-hmm. I mean. You know what I'm saying? This is not like yeah. an ancient history. This was my, my parents saw this happen. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, it just you know my 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 mother talked uh, would tell us about the when the when the first black kid showed up to her school. You know, and mm-hmm. and, and and what how everybody freaked out. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was just you know it just is a it just isn't that far gone. You know, no man. It's just you know for you know, and for all of the the screaming about uh, DEI and uh, and stuff, and and how oh how terrible things are now for the white man. Uh, I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah, people. I mean, y'all, y'all people are something else. You really are. I, good <laughs> my God, my 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 people uh, yeah. you know, that, that look like me. We're we are some of the most sensitive sons of bitches in the world. I mean, my God. <laughs> I mean, listen, cause listen, there's no bigger threat to mediocre white people than equality. Right? Yeah. There's not, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, look at, look who we've got in leadership positions around here. All right. And yeah. they don't get there. They don't get there if there's equality. All right. Um, <laughs> well, just, there's, you know, there's just, that thing that we talk about called white fragility. And I think it really is. Um, it, it's a real thing. And I think I, I attribute it to, people who have been entitled who don't realize that they're entitled and then as their entitlement slips away think that they're losing rights when what they're losing yeah. is entitlement not rights yeah. you know That's not equality man. but but entitlement 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's a thousand percent. That's you know these people filing lawsuits against diversity programs and and things. You know, it, it it's what what gets me is you know you, you, I don't know if you've you've heard these people and maybe these people should actually be our right wing nuts, but the folks like um, I don't know. There's one of these little weirdo kids that's uh, you know part of the Republican you know, talking stuff or whatever, uh, that, you know, was talking the other day, got, got in some hot water about saying that he, he's fearful whenever he gets on a plane and sees a black pilot because he doesn't know if the black oh, yeah, pilot has been trained. Charlie that, Kirk. Yeah. 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 yeah that's him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and said, you know, because, you know, well, he might've gotten there because of a diversity program. He talking about, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's just like these other programs, Mark Cuban. Statement. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, you know, Mark Cuban, um, went on this rant on on Twitter, not to whatever it is now, X, uh, in defense of diversity programs mm-hmm. and talked about how much they had helped the Dallas Mavericks. And, and of course, everybody was like, oh, yeah, well, would you automatically put a white person on the team? You know, and uh, and it was like, that's not how this works, idiots. It's not mm-hmm. you, you bring in diversity because diversity helps your overall business structure uh, of, of things. And simply because you've established this measurement of, of arbitrary values that you feel like can contribute to a workplace or whatever or a history that somebody should show. Well, you may be excluding some people who've never had the opportunity to show that they can do those things. Exactly. You know? And and by doing so, you've excluded this great mind that could come in and help you reach a different, you know, a, a different customer base, uh, you know, uh, achieve different things with your products, you know, revamp how you how you do things in a in a way that really helps you going forward. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it just, you know, the people the pushing back on it, 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 it was all all white people who somehow felt like they they were going to be pushed out of some, uh, out of this, and it's you know it was so stupid. Yep. Uh, but you know, uh, it's this is this is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no end. There's no end to the amount of, of whining and shit of white people, and so you know. And maybe we should just do that. Maybe you think we should just make the, our, uh, the folks that continue to whine about DEI programs and equality and diversity that they're our right wing nuts. Yeah, that gets my vote. Okay. That gets my Let's vote. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. We had we had another one, but I think this one works as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this work, works maybe a little better. Uh, uh, let's do that. And then you know what? We've given these people way more than they deserve. It's a lot. Good yeah. stuff, though. Good stuff, man. It's, been an especially long show. I don't know if any of y'all are going to be able to make it. They all just going to have to keep driving around in your cars until this goes off. Ah, oh, you're hilarious, man. Except for Don, we got you, Don. You keep doing those chores, buddy. We're going to keep talking. All right. Yeah. All right. We're, we're, uh, we are going to slide out here. Yeah. It's uh, our, our thanks to to all of our our guests, Philip Ensler, all the folks from Selma the Musical, and this uh, Cheyenne. Web Priceberg uh, for for spending some time with us, and to the you know the Southern Poverty Law Center and mm-hmm. uh, Wind Creek Entertainment for uh, for sponsoring this bad boy and That's right. keeping us uh, on the air and you know and uh, or on the podcast whatever that's called on the air. But uh, all right, we're gonna slide out of here. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace. <laughs>